we're having a conversation with the 2018 interns for QC Family Tree Summer Interns. And each of them are named Gabrielle Langley and Zaria. Woohoo! And we've been thinking <laughs> and thinking about what makes for community. So the the idea, like the big, big vision for QC Family Tree is that if we win in the end, mm -hmm. then this space and this place and this people will be a little village where abundance is coming to life. And so on a daily basis, we're trying out all these things, trying to cultivate community for the common good. Like that's our, that's our way of being in the world. That's what we're attempting to do. So we always need to like take stock and think about like, well, what makes for community? And how do we know that the things we're doing are resulting in community? So that's why I was asking y'all like, what makes for community? Because I feel like your input will help us to think more thoroughly about what things we need to do and what things are happening that are already making community happen. And so that's why I wanted your feedback. So anyway, what to you makes for community? I think connection. Can you say more? Because like back home, I live in a community just by default of like how the structure of the neighborhood is set up, but I don't feel connected to anyone in that space besides like my immediate family and maybe my immediate neighbors. But when I'm here, since everyone's very like, you know everyone, you're seeing mostly the same people all the time and you're saying hello and you're like getting past the hello point, you're getting to like the, like how are you? Like what's your life looking like right now? And the community dinner is, is a good place for that. Um, you're starting to actually like, be connected. And I feel connected to this community more than I feel connected back home. Hmm. So what's this, the, when you say like the place where you live, the structures are set up in a way that it is by default community. So how, what are the, how are the structures built in a way that's already community? I guess because since it is a lake community, um, the thing to do in the summer is to like you either go down to the park or you go down to, I say beach, it's the lakefront. You go down there and that's just kind of how you're hanging out. But since my parents never um, established with us that we would be a part of the swim team, there wasn't that like extra level because all the other kids would go to swim team practice in the morning and then afterwards in the afternoon when it was like free swim for everyone, um, there wasn't, like they weren't ever branching themselves out. So mm -hmm. it was like the swim team people and then everyone else. So they had their community. And just like that, in addition to um, the, sh the way everything is like set up, so like you can like walk freely on the street, there's not a lot of cars going past, so you just walk up and down, you can ride your bike up and down, and it's fine. But if you're not part of the swim team, it's kind of just like you're there, but you're not really like there, not part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So connection, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like regular interaction. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't really get a whole lot of that. Besides, like, maybe I'm saying hello to my neighbors because I grew up in the same house and they, like, saw me from when I was little all the way to now. But, you know, there's no real connection other than that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I think for me it's been, um, you know, I go to, I'm in college and everything's very fast paced and you always have a thousand things on your list of things to do. And so for me, 
something that's been good is just like sitting on the porch and like reminding myself to stop and slow down and I think the popsicles have been like you know like communities built when you share food with people in a lot of ways and that has been like a little mini thing like everyone just kind of stops and like slows down and just sits together with like no agenda other than just to spend time together um and so that's been meaningful for me in terms of it's like we're not you know because I have the things in my head that's like these are the things we need to do in the garden or these and and sometimes the kids will get like frustrated with me you know like telling them and so this week I've just kind of tried to like at least at the end of the week tried to like slow down and just sit with them and be and that has been um a lot more meaningful than just like rushing around and trying to accomplish all the goals which is important but I think um just sitting and just existing together has been really nice. Mm. And, like having the space to do that, which like the front porch provides a really good space. So yeah, yeah. I remember one time somebody was pointing that out. You remember the Katrina kids? We were sitting on the porch, and what was it they said? Well, girl said, um, "Why are white people always so busy?" Or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The way she said it was, it was like, it was very. It was pointed, um, and like in just the right way. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly how it was phrased, but it was basically that. Yeah. There was she a made a comparison to how like, in her mind, her observation was that uh, her people, black people, were um, more patient and sort of rolled with the, rolled with the day more. They weren't so focused on accomplishing things. I don't know if that, you know, I think her point was well taken in the way that she stated it. Mm-hmm. That was a family. When we moved to Charlotte, we moved in August of 2005, and that family moved in like two weeks later because Katrina had hit, they were from New Orleans, and they had come up this way, and they ended up living in the house next door to us, and it was like this huge extended family. And so we very quickly got to know them, and man, the patriarch of that family was a chef at a hotel on oh. Lake, Lake Pontchartrain or whatever, <laughs> and their food, glory be, mm. Mm, it was so good. <laughs> anyway, I think most of them have all moved back down that way. We've talked about going down there to see them, but just like walk in on their space and be like, and they probably would be just as hospitable because they were when they were here, but anyway. Okay, I said what makes for a community are open hearts, open minds, and open ears. Can you say more? Open hearts. Um, open hearts because you have to be um, willing to like accept everybody for who they are, no matter where they come from, no matter what they've been through. You have to be able to be like, you know, just ready for what they have to say and ready for what they have to offer, even if it's merely nothing, but like what can you make out of it? Mm-hmm. And then open ears. To listen to make sure that um, sometimes that people only need someone to listen to. I mean, for them, they only need someone to listen to them. So sometimes you just have to listen instead of doing. They just need to talk. So you got to be there for that. And then open minds, just to be open to try everything to make sure that they'll be okay. And that they'll make progress and move forward. Mm-hmm. So, yep. I think for me, open ears is hard sometimes. Like, 
I think we were talking about the the uh, love languages or whatever. Like mm-hmm. my love language is acts of service. I'm a doing person, and so when it's time for me, to, like sit down and listen, I can sit down and listen if we've established that that's a thing, you know. But the part that's tricky for me is like when random somebody comes up and they want a listening ear for something, something in me just like wants to find somebody else to have to do that. Like I want, like I want to flee and, it, and it's not like the people that I have established a relationship with, I want to sit down and listen. But if it's that other thing that's happening where it's like nearly a stranger I don't know what that is, but I have a resistance there that I have to like push against and really like push myself to listen. I think part of it is because I'm, I am nervous that there, that something is going to come out of that experience that I won't be able to, that will kind of take over. Um, for example, like, um, there have been times when I will be listening and then uh, because I'm a empath and like a emotional sponge then I'll take over whatever the feelings are that they have and kind of begin to bear them, and that's scary. Or it might be that they then, I hate to say it, but like it feels like to me that they might be taking advantage of my kindness, which I don't want to, like, I don't want to approach a human thinking they're going to take advantage of my kindness, so I'm not going to be kind. But there's something about me within me that like really has to push on the, the open ears part. For at least a stranger and I think I see this sometimes with like groups that come in that they might not really have a, an a wherewithal of what's happening but like groups that come in for example for community meal they would love to stand on one side of the table and use the spoon and like spoon food out because there's like a separation there there's like a power dynamic there they don't have to sit down and have a conversation they can just like serve somebody food and that feels good and I feel that within myself, like I'd much rather be like, oh, you need bus fare, let me help you. Or, oh, you need um, you need food, let me get something for you. That feels like safe, easy, and I have the power, you know, that kind of thing. But like the moment where it's like, oh, you need me to like listen to your life and sympathize with you and, and then, you know, like now know you well enough to and you want to know me you know that kind of thing is where I have to like really push sometimes um yeah do you and the, I want to go back one little bit so if you were to take on the idea of cultivating community for the common good in your own spaces like where you are either in your lake neighborhood or um, at school or like in the future what practices or values do you feel like are growing within you that you will want to kind of carry to the next spaces I say not being afraid because I know coming into this I didn't know I, I, of course you know we googled the neighborhood mm-hmm. and all that but I didn't know and so like one of like how long have we been doing this? We're halfway through, so we're at like four weeks, I think. Okay, so maybe like the second or middle of third week. I, um, the boys, they were like, we're going to Betty Ray. I was like, okay, I'm going to come over there and talk to y'all. And so we were over there talking. I was like, so just like, why they doing what they were doing? I was just like, just talk to me. And so they were talking and like they were telling me different things about the neighborhood. And I was like, 
this this happens in this neighborhood. And they were like, yeah, just, you know, down the street, maybe not like right here. I was like, so, but you're saying it happens. And they're like, yeah, so it's a lot of things in this neighborhood that, I guess like we hear the sirens, but they like pass the house all the time. So, of course, because it's not happening right here, my mind doesn't register that it's happening very close. Mm-hmm. It just it's just like they're they're going somewhere, but it's nowhere here. But then when they told me like their experiences in the neighborhood and stuff like that, I was just like, I just walked across the street by myself, <laughs> and I was like, I gotta walk back. And so that day, I was so scared when I left them. I said, Okay, y'all, y'all be safe, and I'll see y'all tomorrow. I called my best friend. I was like. Hey, and she was like, are you okay? I said, well, I just need somebody to talk on the phone while I walk across the street. She said, well, you just walked across the street. Why are you calling me now? I said, um, I just, just wanted to talk to you. She said, you scared, ain't it? I said, just a little bit. So then I walked across the street, but now, like, I walked to the corner store um, last week. And I was like, y'all want to go? And we went twice. And I was like, I had to get over the fear of anything happening to me in order to be like, okay, I want to put myself myself in y'all's shoes on how y'all would do things every day. And so, because like in my city, I don't walk anywhere. Just, we just don't walk. If you walk, you, you asking for something. So we don't walk. I don't catch the bus in my city. I drive everywhere. So it's because I live in one of the worst neighborhoods. So it's like, I just don't. Just don't do it. So I was like, I just want to, I was like, why not try it? Of course, it would take some time in my own city because I know more about it and I know like specific things about it. But I felt, I feel like not knowing, like I still don't know half of the things that happen in this neighborhood, but I just dive right into it. So Mm -hmm. I feel like I'll take that into my own community. Mm -hmm. So a specific story about that that happened to me last week was that you know, there's this character that's come up a little bit now that Brother Rashad has helped us to have a nickname for. We've named him Squirrel. Brother Rashad has named him Squirrel. Do you know who I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. So um, I walked to the coffee shop the other day, and on the way back, I was um, talking with Tris. Tris and I were walking together, and we were just catching up for a minute. But then at the same time, Squirrel was right there, and I don't feel comfortable around Squirrel. I don't know. He seems erratic, and I just don't know how to predict what's going to happen with him and he's been around enough to kind of make me feel uneasy and he was going at my pace in the same direction so I was like Tris can I just stop here and talk to you for a minute in your driveway and he was like yeah what's going on he calls me pastor because he used to go to South Park Christian where we were pastors so we're talking and I was like I just want to stand here for a minute and let this guy go on I'm not feeling too comfortable and he was like well are you all right and I was like yeah I'm fine so I, then I kept going and I just like crossed over to Kasiji so that I would have a little distance from Squirrel well, then this other fellow who had been with Tris is, like, now walking at my pace, too. And I don't know this guy. I just kind of, like, glanced at him when I was walking with Tris and saw that he was carrying, like, a brown bag with a 40 in it or whatever and didn't think anything of it. Well, then I called Greg, and I was like, hey, can you just come around the corner? Squirrel is right here, and I, I just want to make sure that everything's fine. So I'm walking on, and then I cross back over the street, and I can see Greg ahead, and Squirrel's right there. And... The guy who had been with Tris is right next to me, and, and I can kind of tell there's something like he can, he's watching this whole situation, the guy next to me, and I'm like, what's going on? So I just looked at him, and I was like, you good? He was like, yeah, I'm fine, I'm just walking with you to make sure you're okay. Mm-hmm. And I was like, 
oh, well, thanks. I'm great. This is my husband. We're good. And he was like, okay, I just wanted to make sure. And so he walked on by, and then Greg was there. And Squirrel figured out at that point that that I had the system going on because he was going like, you don't have to be afraid of me. Why are you afraid of me? You know, that kind of thing. And I think the guy who had been walking alongside of me had said something to Squirrel, like, leave her alone. You don't need to be doing this kind of thing. And then I walked on with Greg. And so, anyway, I went back down to the coffee shop yesterday or whenever that was. And the guy was out there with Tris again. And he was like, Tris said, Pastor, how you doing? I'm good. And then I said to the guy, like, thank you so much for walking with me. And he's like, no problem. Anytime. I'll do that for you. And it's like, it was just like, also on that same exact day, I got down to the quick and easy. And Desmond and Antonio and JJ were down there. And JJ, they like, you know, they changed their direction to come and speak to me and give me a hug and everything. And then Anton- JJ says, Miss Helms, you walking down Tuckasiji by yourself? And I said, JJ, I've been walking on Tuckasiji longer than you've been born. And he was like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> and he kept on going. So like, you know, I, there are times when I still have some fear. But then the moment that I like acknowledge the fear, all of a sudden there's like this like cloud of witnesses literally walking beside me to make sure that everything's going to be all right. And that was a moment of abundance. So, The question is, um, what of the actions or values might you imagine that you're going to kind of, that you're learning now that you want to kind of take with you into the future? Um, I think for me, it's that people, wherever you go, they're always going to kind of have the same language. So the example I have in my mind is... Um, Vern and I went down to play basketball Saturday morning and then a bunch of people came and I was like, I'm tired, I'm going to sit out. And then he like, they're doing three on three. And then we were walking back and he was like, it's nice to have people who like understand your language, not from your city. So he was like specifically referencing basketball. And I guess in my mind, I'm expanding that to uh, like everywhere you go, people kind of want all, everyone wants the same thing. It's just like if whether or not you're in a position, like how close you are to that thing to be able to attain it. So like just because I'm from the north and I'm from like a lake community and whatever other like things I brought with me here doesn't mean I'm not able to like get to that same language with people. Mm-hmm. So I'm, a- I'm able to be myself and I'm able to uh, have other people be themselves around me, and we're all able to talk. I don't know if this is making any sense. No, I think I think it is. I think there's something there's like essential humanness mm-hmm. that spans across differences, mm-hmm. and you're calling it language, yeah, maybe culture or something like that. But like, there are essential like needs and desires that are beyond background and privilege yeah that we can uh, communicate like we can use those things to communicate mm-hmm. that they're essential human yeah like specifically it's basketball's been like the thing to be doing um back home I'm always just like this is my space I'm here with my people and people who like come up they're like I you're in my space now I don't necessarily like this. But 
I'm learning to like let that go a little bit. So like if there was a, another young man who was like kind of hanging out and he wanted to like shoot around and so my feeling is like this is my basketball like I don't want to share this basketball with you but Vern is very good about being like yeah we're taking a break you can go ahead so I'm learning like people just want to be like included and people like people who are approaching aren't looking for trouble because back home I'd be like you're looking for trouble because you're coming over to me regardless of who it is so like that's something I'm learning to let go and I'm learning to like adopt like you're looking for human interaction, you're looking for that connection. And a bunch of little kids are constantly, whenever we come to the basketball court, there's always like at least three kids who run up to us and they're like, can we shoot around too? And I'm like, yeah. So I think they're looking, they're also looking for like, these people look nice, they're gonna include us, because they could be shooting on the court at any point. They didn't have to wait for us to come down. But if we look approachable and we look like we're down to include people, then it gets easier, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's less of an individualistic outlook and more of like a communal, mm-hmm. cooperative sharing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I've been thinking about how the first, I guess, week that I was here when the Davidson people all came and we were talking about the fences that are in this neighborhood and the different kind of fences you find in different neighborhoods and how these ones are chain link and you can grow plants on them and you can talk over them to your neighbor instead of like wooden fences that are too high and you can't really see and about how um, if we're talking about like bringing this back to my school and like the places that I um, inhabit and how like people have all these like neat tiny boxes of like where everyone's supposed to be and like who they hang out with and where they go and all that kind of thing um and even just like in my daily life you know it's like I have this thing to do and um my favorite room in the library is the quiet one so like people don't walk up to me and talk to me and I can just like do what I need to do and um how that like maybe makes me efficient but it doesn't like made me as open to like really seeing people and like it's like it's like I'm in the you know wooden fence and kind of trying to like make it more of a chain link fence so there's you know you can speak to people when you see them or like going to places where I would you know interact with people more or like going to study somewhere that I wouldn't normally study um and so kind of just like placing myself in a more open way instead of and like just opening that up and it kind of has to do with like the front porch and just like sitting and being mm-hmm. with people because then that opens up the opportunity for them to open themselves up to you because you're open to them um so yeah that just made me think about how if i'm doing work in the library or anywhere mm-hmm. and someone even comes to the table next to me yeah. i'm like <laughs> yeah yeah mm-hmm. give them the evil eye yeah it's like why do you want to exist in this exact same space it's the same thing it's just like learning to let that go learning to everyone just wants to be connected there's a reason why they saw the i mean granted it could just be the only open table but they could be like ah another human being nice the idea of like communal space like this is not my space that you are entering into like this is our space because we're walking in this world together Mm. it's like all Mm -hmm. of our space you know I don't have any you know ownership I shouldn't feel like I have any ownership over that's big yeah like private property Mm -hmm. versus communal Mm -hmm. space Mm -hmm. is a big 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 value difference yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, the thing is uh, that like once I get into this 
this place where it's like I value communal space over private property, mm-hmm. then I want to put that on everybody. So yeah. like I see somebody with a fence and I'm like, you. <laughs> like I'm automatically just like judgy yeah. and which is I have to be careful of but at the same time like if we all incorporated that I mean there may be opportunities where we need that like alone time you know mm-hmm. we need a little cubicle every once in a while but mm-hmm. I think about and I think the value of um, communal space is growing in that lots of work work environments are now you know, common space work environments, you know, what's, what's it called? The, um, like, Huga or Advent co- co-working space, mm-hmm. where it's kind of like basically the coffee shop experience, but everybody knows you're supposed to be working right now. You know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, and not the cubicle. Mm-hmm. A lot of workspaces moving in that direction. It does mean, though, and we know this, that, like, cultivating community for the common good or creating a little village of abundance is the way in which you do that is not efficient and productive and it doesn't it's not quick so for example just remember if you're gonna study out in the open and be open to other people then you have to give yourself yourself more time to do so Mm -hmm. you know like if you're in the crunch time and you need to just simply focus on that then that might not be the moment where you want to focus like study on the front porch yeah (laughs) (laughs) might not be the occasion Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad for y'all sharing. I know we need to get back to productivity. Not really. Just making lunch. But, um, and we'll see where this goes. I think we also may record um, during the big trip about some some experiences that we're having along the way. So now you've at least had that experience and you'll know kind of what it's like. Okay, I'm going to turn off the recorder. <laughs>